You are listening to the Amen Corner, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. For more information about the Amen Corner, please follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and all your other favorite social media. Welcome to Season 5, Episode 2 of The Unknown Corner. I'm Brad Rothschild. And I'm Stephen Cook. I wish I could say Happy New Year. <sighs> it is not the happiest of New Year's. Oh, God. It is bad. Bad, bad, bad. I mean... 2020 strikes again. RPG is dead. Yeah. I mean, she's we were, old, we were, frail, riddled with was, cancer. Yeah, that poor woman. But, that, our but poor she couldn't country, have hung on for like 50 more days? Uh, apparently not. You know, don't you think she knew that she represented <laughs> the last hope that the democracy has? I mean, how crazy is it that so much hinged on the, on the fate of this one woman? It's, the whole system... Is now on the verge of collapse because she died. Right. I mean, it's it's rather extraordinary. It gives you a sense of how brittle our institutions have, have become. become. Yeah. Because it's we're not that they, you know, yeah. eight, she was eighty seven, eighty seven. Yeah. Yeah. We were pinning at the our hopes everything, on everything. Everything was very on her sick. Eighty seven year old woman would live for another few months. Yeah. Uh, and then I mean the. If anyone who believes that Mitch McConnell would not move forward oh expeditiously to seat a, another uh, Supreme Court justice in her place is he's a not ghoul. living in the real world. He is a ghoul. He a didn't ghoul. even wait until her body was cold. No, I mean, I mean no, no one had even finished saying Kaddish for the poor woman, and he issued a statement saying... You're saying Kaddish. You don't even start the morning. The body's not buried. They, they have not given anybody the opportunity to celebrate her life, mm. to mourn her death, to think about her as a human being. Right. Because immediately this Jagroth right. was just immediately like... Immediately politicized gonna, it. Yeah, we're going to do what we're going to do. Right. And, and people are clutching at their pearls and saying... But it's hypocritical. He's the one who said that you can't do this. You <laughs> right. think Mitch McConnell Kyle gives a cares. shit? Right. You think he gives a shit about this democracy? He has no democracy? principle. He has one, one goal. One yeah. goal. is securing the, the power of a minority party for yeah. a generation. And he is well on his way to achieve that uh, goal. God. He Damn. Is, he is well on his way. You know... He, I mean, you know how we've we've always done the, uh, or not always, we've done the asshole of the week, and right. he's in he's in our pantheon. Right. I think we need to retire the award completely, or just rename <laughs> the award, rename the award, the Mitch McConnell. The Mitch McConnell award. award. And I had I candidates. That's what we do. I had other, I, I, and like now I can't even remember who my candidates no, were. There's no other candidate because it's his award. It's like the <laughs> Cy Young. It's like the Cy Young award is named after Cy Young, the greatest pitcher. Of the, I guess of, you know the, the old times. I, I guess I'd go now, with Congressman. Is, I guess I'd have to go with Congressman Doug Collins, though, who uh, basically. Yeah. Well, uh, can we talk about Mitch McConnell before we talk about that? Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying that this is just kind of an outgrowth of all this craziness. Go ahead. Yeah, but I mean, he now he owns the title. The asshole of the week is now the Mitch McConnell. <laughs> the Mitch McConnell award. He is <laughs> okay. such a bad. Person. A bad, bad, a, bad man. 
bad person. And, you know, we've said this for a long time, both on this show and, you know, just amongst ourselves. He's the most dangerous politician in the country. Oh, undoubtedly. Undoubtedly. More dangerous than Trump. And and this is the thing. This is this is the kind of thing he says. And this is what he said last night yeah. when he was asked. He said, you know, well, what about the whole Merrick Garland thing? He said, oh, no, no, that was different. Right. Because term, the White term. House was held by a Democrat, but the yeah. Senate was held by a Republican. The American people, though, spoke in 2016 and again in 2018. And since yeah. we retain a majority in the Senate, that means that because the White House is held by a Republican, uh, we should, can move forward without a problem because that's what the American people want them to do. Who the hell believes this stuff? He does, and his supporters will believe it too because it well, serves their interests. But here's the thing about that argument. In 2018, even though the Republicans held the House, yeah. if you look at the popular held the vote, Senate. Held the Senate, sorry. If you look at yeah. the popular vote uh, for Senate yeah. in toto, yeah. the Democrats won. Oh, of course. This is a minority party. Right. It is. And that right. is, again, this is one of those things that you and I have talked about on this show since the beginning. There are flaws in our system that the Republicans have been exploiting for yep. the last 40 years yep. and have now made it so that they are, they are cementing minority rule over this country. And that's where we are. And that's the reality. And then you have a guy like Bill Barr who is going to come in and justify mm-hmm. legally fascism. That's what's happening. Well, that's now. always what happens. All these things are situated in law. And so that they say, well, no, it's in the Constitution. Here's the law. Yeah. And the Constitu- it's using the, the, the actually the democratic institutions for the democratic institutions of a system for its own destruction. Yeah. And look, you know, people have been running through the scenarios in the aftermath of, of RBG's death. And, you know, I, I, I just don't I just don't see. I mean, the best case scenario is that every Democrat everywhere right. votes and it's a GOP wipeout. But that doesn't mean that there's not going to be violence. And that doesn't mean that they're going to Because Trump the is not – neither the, the president outcome. nor his supporters will accept the outcome. He tweeted exactly. this week, we'll never know the results. We may never know the results of these elections. He's already baked it in. Right. Right? The, the fix is in. So even, like I said, I am sure that people today, this morning, got out of bed and started donating money and working their yeah. asses off and making yeah. phone calls and this, that, and the other yeah. thing. And again, if it's a blue tidal wave, there's still going to be people with guns yeah. who believe that the president is Q, who is <laughs> going after a cabal of child molesters in the deep state who... I mean, oh I can't even God. I can't even oh get into it because I don't even understand it. Like, oh it's, my God. it's crazier. You know how they used to say, oh, Middle Easterners and their conspiracy <laughs> theories and so on and so forth. I have to be yeah. honest with you. Yeah. I have never heard anything in the Middle East <laughs> as batshit fucking crazy <laughs> as yeah. this QAnon thing. No way. I mean, Mossad sharks sound sane. Absolutely sane. So in comparison so to this. Fucking craziness. So here's the question. Yeah. What hope do we have? I don't know. I mean, that's the problem, right? So when we get to the point where we see we're, we're gaming this out, 
And it doesn't end well no matter how. Right. It even ends. even in the best case scenario for Democrats, yeah. there's going to be violence in the streets. And you and know, it's, since it's 2020, the best case scenario is no way going to happen. Right. No. If, if 2020 has proven anything, right. is that it will always be the worst case scenario that we should be preparing for. Because that's what's going to happen. So here's the other thing that I've been thinking. Yeah. About. You know, I feel like as... Europe, as descendants of European Ashkenazic Jews, yeah. we have this um, generational trauma that is deep in us. That when things like this happen, when we, when we live in a country and we see the country starting to go off the rails, yeah. you know, there's, there's the fight or flight. Right. And most people, not most, many European Jews... Their, their instinct is to is flight, not mm-hmm. fight, right. but flight. And how many people are now talking about, okay, where am I going to go? Where right. am I going to go? Well, I, I, except for the fact that right now we can't go anywhere. Like, well, first of all, you know, you as a, as a direct descendant of a Holocaust survivor, you well, have, you, you have German passports. Well, uh, my father was a refugee, a refugee. Not a survivor, right? But okay, he, but he but he got his citizenship. He applied to get it reinstated right. for him and for us. Okay, the so, vast okay. Me, but the, right, but most people don't don't have, have that. Yeah. So you know, are people going to sneak across the Canadian border and ask for you know asylum in Canada? I mean, it's just it's mind boggling. I think though you're I think you're missing something. I would add something. Yeah. There is a certainly a, a, a fight or flight, and I think there's a lot of flight, and I think you're probably right that there are many people who are talking about where would I go. But I also yeah. think, and we, we talked about this a little bit last time, is that as Gen X kids uh-huh. who came of age at a time when America was secure and stable and prosperous – and then the end of history happened in, in the early 1990s, the quote-unquote end of history. And, and everything seemed to be coming up roses. Yeah. Democracy right. was breaking out everywhere. Freedom was breaking out everywhere. There, I think there's probably a tendency among some people to say, well, maybe it'll all work out. Maybe the best-case scenario will happen. And this will snap the Republicans, the Trump party, out of this fever and we can go back to some sort of normalcy. And I don't think that that's the case at all. I think that the so, last four years, the last 12 years, the last 16 years or more are going to have a profound impact on our politics, on our culture, on our social cohesion to the extent that, yes, I think about leaving. I think about what do so, I – how do I leave? Where would I go? What would I do? Where would my children be safest? Right. So, so let me ask you, because you're talking about our cohort of Gen, yeah. Gen Xers. So is it your experience that the people who you talk to think they're, that things are going to be all right, that they're more complacent? Because that's not my experience. And maybe it's you know, people who I know who are our age, whose, exper- whose family experiences are closer to mine. Yeah. That is to say, right. who, who See, there was no one... Been, who haven't been in America that many generations that they they feel it more acutely or they're more attuned so, to it, like the radar is more sensitive. Right. Like those people who I talk to 
are the ones who are not complacent at all, but seem almost paranoid. Right. You know, like like they're so hyper vigilant that it seems that they're it's on the border of paranoia. Well, I don't I don't have any family members who are refugees from from right. World War Two. Yeah. Um, you know, my grandparents came here as infants from you know the Pale. Right. Um, I have an uncle, my uncle Anwar, who you know came to the United States from Iraq and declared political asylum and got political asylum. He was an Iraqi Jew. Um, but I don't, I, I mean, I think it's really mixed. I think there are people yeah. who, who are in my cohort in the DC area who are, yeah, like very attuned to political trouble and thinking about where we would go. Um, friend of mine looks at real estate in Toronto all the time. Um, <laughs> But I also think that, like, again, you know, I'm here in D.C. and there's, you know, the, the, the election is coming up and people are kind of, you know, there's the angling and positioning and so on and so forth as if, like, November, December, and January are going to be like, you know, a November, December, and January in any presidential election cycle. Uh, and, as, as much as people recognize the stakes are really high. Yeah, this is There's something qualitatively by factors different yeah. about what's happening now. Now, I, I wish I was being hysterical, yeah, but I actually but don't not. think that I'm being hysterical. All, the, all we're doing is really connecting dots here. Right. That's I mean, the president doing. has said these things. Well, do, are you committed to accepting the results? Yeah, well, we'll that, see. Well, he said that, are you committed to having the election on the date? Well, you know, right now that's the plan. But I should have a third term. I mean, he's... He said that in 2016. Right, that exactly. If he, won, if he won, it would have been a fair election. Only if he won. Right. So we only put this off for four years. Basically, by allowing him right. to take office, we only put the inevitable off for four years. And even, even if we all agree that somehow he pulls it out and wins fairly, which I don't think he could. Right. We would still only be kicking that can forward for another four years because, as you just said, he thinks he deserves another term after the second one. Everything that he says and the people around him say are things things they (laughs) actually are interested in doing and implementing. There's no joking. There's no sarcasm. They are saying these things because these are things they intend to do. Yeah, yeah. This is the only time where he actually speaks with full candor. Right. Is when, when he jokes about what he wants. Right. Right? And he's got to position it as a joke because if he didn't, people would say, wait a minute, you can't do that. Right. We have a constitution. But of oh, course, he's just joking. But of course, there are people who are in this like <laughs> bizarre, twisted thing are, as a result of Trump are like monarchists. Monarchists. Uh, well, they're they definitely. Uh, they, they are authoritarians. They believe they're definitely authoritarian. I don't know about the monarchy, but well, they're, they're they're authoritarian. I, I, I think and some of these. How is his family? How is his family any different than any of the ruling families of the Middle East? Well, look, this is this is, but I, I think that there are people who think that he is the key to saving civilization. If you Their think conception that, you need, of saving you civilization. Help. You need help. If that's what well, you think, you need psychiatry. And then add to it, he has an attorney general who is part of a group of yeah. very conservative Christian 
Yeah, authoritarians. Authoritarians. This is a, I mean, we've discussed this before. This is, there is this group within, you know, legal circles that have no apparent commitment to liberal democracy. No, they have a commitment to power and preserving their own. Right. Yeah. Then you have in positions, in other positions, sycophants um, and cowards. Absolute yeah. well, cowards. I feel like there are more cowards out there than sycophants. Well, I think but it's, it doesn't I think, even matter. I think right? it's the combination. I think it's the combination. Of like Michael Caputo is a sycophant. Right. Um, uh, the defense secretary is is a coward. The, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff yeah. is an absolute coward. Yeah, these guys are cowards, but they all were. Even you know your your Mattis and mm. you know Kelly. Right, you're not going to get it. You're not going to get it. You're not going to get an argument from me on that. And Tillerson, they all convinced themselves that they were essential to keeping him from going off the rails and preserving the system that we have. But if they really were, if they had any balls between them, they would have put an end to it. But they. Yeah, I'm glad Gary. I I hope Gary Cohn enjoyed his summer in the Hamptons. But he stood there when the president called Nazis very fine people. And so did Steve Mnuchin, and he's still standing. Yeah. And he's still standing there. Right. The thing is, and we, you know, I talked about we talked about this last week, and I said, you know, the election will will bring about the destruction either of the Republican Party or of American democracy. But it's so, and, and this happens in other countries, in other authoritarian countries, where the uh, where the people in power they know that they have to hold on to power because if they don't, they're going to jail. <laughs> right. Like, when did this become a thing in America? So there's, that there's, if I lose power, I go to jail. So I have to maintain power at all costs. So there's Jared Kushner is going to go to jail. So there's a debate. Donald Trump is going to go to jail. There's a debate going on among the never Trumpers, Republican never Trumpers. Jonathan Chait from New York Magazine wrote a piece weighing very long piece. Apparently, I haven't read it. I read the distillation of it. I've started uh-huh. reading. I've started reading the Never Trumpers in the, in the Bulwark, which is super interesting. Yeah. Anyway, the, weighing the, the costs and benefits of do we – and neither of these are – obviously, you know, Trump should be prosecuted. But the question is what are the costs of prosecuting him and what are the costs of not prosecuting him? Chip comes down on saying that if you don't prosecute him, you've damaged the rule of law – yeah. Forever that it will undermine the republic. Anyway. Even more so that it's already been undermined. Right. And <laughs> what um, I can't remember who it was right who was writing for the for the bulwark, but it was saying yeah. that is a good point. But if he is prosecuted, it will be seen by the millions of armed supporters that he has as illegitimate, and it will end up being uh, more of an issue uh, that tears the country apart. We're supposed to give him the blackmail by his supporters because they're armed. Look, isn't that, hasn't that been the story that the, the the blackmail, blackmail, the Southern States in the, in the aftermath of a a pre-war, a pre-civil war, post-civil war. I mean, blackmail of violence. Certainly always seems to work. Right? The threat yeah. of violence and the threat of insurrection. Right. Right? That's what we're talking about. So essentially, we cannot uphold the rule of law because we're afraid 
that people on the other side with guns well, will pick up those guns because we're upholding the rule of law. Look at what happened with that. What were those crazy father and sons out in the was it the Pacific Northwest where they were they they had they had broken federal law like grazing laws and owed millions uh, they, of dollars. And they took up arms, and all these people from everywhere showed up, all these militias, the, and the, the Bundys, U.S. Marshals the Bundys, stood down. The Bundy clan. The Bundy clan, exactly. Yeah. Amon Bundy. And right. The, yeah, his, so, yeah. I mean, we don't have the rule of law because we, we have because this vigilantism. We have vigilantism, and we also have, you know, when you go out west or anywhere, right, What? why did the, did the uh, law, law officials stand down there? Because they sympathized with the Bundy. Well, it was a federal decision. I think it was a Department of Justice decision, so that there wouldn't be, you know, there wouldn't be violence like there was but with. The, um, but at the local level, the sheriff. Well, the local level is different, but you had federal, uh, like the marshal service and stuff. But I think, I, I think the <laughs> idea was, I mean, at least the argument at the time was, we want to avoid violence like you had when during the Clinton years they went after uh, David Koresh. David Koresh, yeah, and Waco. Right. Okay, so but again, your point your point remains the one that you made uh, last episode about local law enforcement. I sent you yeah. that article from the Daily Beast. Now the Daily Beast is sometimes over the top, but they interviewed the guy from uh, the from uh, what was it the American X? What was it? Uh, oh yeah, American History X. American History X, the actual guy. Yeah, and he said, look. The, the pol- police departments around the country are totally infiltrated by Nazis because I know all these people and I know right. how many of them went into local law enforcement. It was yeah. a strategy. David Duke said, take off your hoods, stop yeah. burning crosses, put on suits, join police departments, infiltrate the federal government, infiltrate local police forces. And this is what you have. This is what you really, have. You're really painting a, ro- <coughs> a rosy picture right now. That's making me feel. I, you look, I, very you know, this is this is the this is the state of the country right now. I know, and we and, cannot and, look away from this. We and can't. with half the country down the QAnon rabbit hole, I don't know how you recover from it. To be completely honest with you, <clears throat> I don't know. And then we didn't even touch upon the what would have been the biggest issue this week, but just gets buried. In an avalanche of other bad and horrible news, which is the forced sterilization of people who've been interned by the border police. Wow. I mean, it's just, so I could, are, it was very, like very Nazis. hard for me to bring myself to read those stories. But you have to. Uh, you can't look I know away you from told this. me. You cannot look away from this because if we look away, then we're complicit. We have to stare this square in the face and call it out for what uh, it is. You know, I think this is the bleakest episode of the Outland Quarter. <laughs> well, man, I'm sorry, but things are getting no, no, bleak around I'm, per- I'm, I'm taking part. I know, but things are getting bleak in this country. We're look, our moods reflect the reality, well, and, right? And, I wish that we could be sunny right. and say, you know what, we're really optimistic right. about the chances for Biden. Well, and, so and this America's is the thing. going to turn the corner, and things are going to be great. I would love for that to happen. Which I just is, don't see which how is, it's going to right now. I feel often like I'm living in this kind of weird, disconnected moment. You know, I'll I'll jump in the car to run an errand or something like that. And, you know, you put on the radio and they're like, talking about, you know, I don't know, everyday things. You know, this up week's upcoming football games or, you know, whatever it is. 
Yeah. And or, you know, you turn on the TV and like there's, I don't know, there's talk of next spring, you know, people traveling. I don't know. And it's like, what the fuck are people talking about? Well, people want to return to normalcy. But, it, 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 but it's like, am I crazy or are they crazy? Because this is not happening. Yeah, well... I mean, the next two months are going to be critical, uh, bloody, contentious, now, the worst the, political now, fights in, 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 in a really long time. If we can make I mean, it the political violence has already begun. Day, oh, yeah. But if we can make it to Inauguration Day in one piece, it will be a major surprise. Mm. But I want to read to you something I just saw. Oh, and there it goes. What happened? Appar- apparently... Susan Collins, yeah, everybody's favorite senator from Maine, is saying yeah. that there should not be a vote. She says, quote, in fairness to the American people who will either be reelecting the president or selecting a new one, the decision on a lifetime appointment to the Supreme Court should be made by the president who is elected on November 3rd. So here's my... That's one favorite. defection. They need three more. Here's the hot take. Yeah. One, she's in the battle for her political right. life in Maine, and she is losing, in, according to polls, by a big margin, which we know. Two, every um, Democrat in Maine and around the country got up this morning and yeah. gave money to all yeah. of those critical races in the Senate. Exactly. Two, McConnell knows that he's got the votes and he doesn't need hers. Right. So he is allowing her to do this. Right. Because I refuse to believe. That she is, that she somehow grew a conscience. Right, exactly, exactly. And, After uh, three and a half years expressing yeah. deep concern and discomfort, yeah. all of a sudden she's taking a she's taking yeah. a stand. A moral stance. It no, could, it could be, that. it could be the former, and without the latter, it could be. I would like to believe that that's the case, and then Lisa yeah. Murkowski will come along, and Mitt Romney will come along, and there's three. But I'm not convinced of it at all. Me either. Me either. And what about Lindsey Graham, who in 2016 said, you can use my words against me. Lindsey Graham. He doesn't care. He, he doesn't, doesn't care. give a shit whatsoever. Nobody cares. They don't no care. way. Bush He's McConnell. a disgusting, disgusting hypocrite. He, he oh. I mean, his, really, he should be he, done. They all should be, but you right. know what? Mitch McConnell has a huge lead in Kentucky. His opponent can't win. What's her name? McGrath. Right. She well, has no shot. She's no, Well, here's the thing. You know, early on, people were saying, oh, we should pour money in. People were like, oh, I'm going to pour money into defeating Mitch McConnell. You can't defeat Mitch McConnell. Even if he was polling in the, in the teens, you yeah. can't. He's got the place freaking wired. The That's best crazy. you can do is make him the minority leader. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So money better spent do. in Colorado, North Carolina, Maine, Arizona, Arizona. Uh, wherever we got to flip the Senate. Exactly, Senate needs to be flipped. If we, if if the Democrats keep the House and manage to flip the Senate, then there's hope that we right. don't go down this authoritarian right. black hole forever. <sighs> but if not, right, and, well, and, if, and if Susan Collins is taking an independent stance, can you imagine what they're going to do to her? She knows one Between way or the other. Her career, well, she knows one way or the other. Her career's done. Right. 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 How old is she? This is probably her last term anyway. If she's she not wins. that old. No? She's not like some of these geezers who've been around for... That's true. Mitch McConnell, for I mean, you know, the Democratic Party leadership, they're all in their late 70s or early 80s. Let's see how old Collins is. 
Um, uh, you're right. This may not be her last rodeo, but she's so unpopular in her home state. She's the most. She's the least popular senator in all of Washington D.C. The least. Yeah. Let's see. She is sixty-seven. Yeah. So she can. Have, she can yeah. have a good. She sure. can have another good run. Yeah. So I stand corrected on that. But. Um, but you know. Look, in this bleak moment, that's a that's a momentary glimmer. But we'll have yeah, to see what happens. Because I think the second scenario yeah. the second scenario is highly likely. That he that, knows he has the vote. That he knows he has the And she's in and she's in a yeah. tough race. Yeah. And people who don't know better will be like, Oh, she's being independent. Exactly. That's great. I'm gonna exactly. you know. I gotta believe though that Mainers by now know exactly, no, exactly. With, with whom they're right. dealing. You took the words right out. It's probably too, too, late. too late. It's probably too, too little, late. too late. Right. Exactly. I mean, the whole Kavanaugh, she's, the whole Kavanaugh she's thing. She's concerned. It's yeah. causing her discomfort. Yeah. She's hoping the president will learn. She took she, Kavanaugh's she, word. Yeah. I mean, so that's good. Yeah, it's fine. She, 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 she believed that Trump learned his lesson <laughs> from the impeachment. He did learn his lesson. He that's he right. He fired everybody. He learned he could Every get away with anything. <laughs> Colonel Vinnett. Yeah. He learned his lesson. He could get away with anything. Anything. Jesus Christ. Too little, too much. But late, what, again, you know what? We have, we've, exactly what you criticized everybody for. We lost sight of the, the really the big issue is that last evening, the United States lost a truly historic figure yep. in Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Yeah. Um, Someone whose life story was extraordinary, whose professional accomplishments will, whatever happens in this country, will live on in the, the annals of history. I mean, she is a, 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 a truly historical figure um, yeah. and an inspiration for millions and millions and millions, not just little girls and women. Yeah. And so on, all of us. All of us. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know. Let, let's think about her memory and honor her memory and honor her life. May it be a blessing. Uh, may her memory be of a blessing to those in her family and those who knew her and those who were impacted by her. Right. And really, millions of people's lives were impacted by yeah. her in a positive way. So <laughs> we should remember that and yeah. we should celebrate her life and we should say Baruch Dayan. Which, we won't, we, which, which, which we, we won't do because... Her death no. has been politicized, and because of the pandemic, there won't be an actual. There'll right. be, a, I'm sure, a small private funeral, but there won't be a public acknowledgement yeah. of her. Well, there are going to be vigils around the country. Yeah, well, her. you know, we were talking about going to a vigil at the Supreme Court this evening. I, yeah. I do worry about, I do worry Safety. about violence. I do worry yeah. after what a number of Trump supporters and religious authoritarians have tweeted. You never know who is going to be activated by these things to take violent yeah. action. Yeah, I think there's one in New York, and I'm less concerned about violence in New York. Yeah, New but, York, well, right. But, you but know, what do I know? What do I know? No, but we're, you know, I live 10 miles from Virginia, where, yeah. you know, only recently have they put on the, the you know, it's the, the, the most mild of gun control that has <laughs> flipped out people so that they're they're going to be Second Amendment sanctuary counties and towns and so on and That's so forth. Crazy. And then even like, you know, not too far away, Maryland, yeah. which is, you know, is reactionary as well. Is it fair to say that those people were triggered by the <laughs> gun loss? <laughs> yeah. Is that fair? Isn't that fucked up? 
I'm afraid. I'm genuinely yeah. frightened. Boy, that is not the upbeat note that we wanted to end this episode. <laughs> I'm sorry. Stephen. <laughs> Stephen is frightened. Oh, God. All right, man. All right. Don't be frightened. All right. It'll be all right. All right. Hopefully. <laughs> We're out. Shall we? All right.